This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. I want to get right to our first topic and our first guest. In fact, we just had on the program recently. Uh, but this is a, a story that Christy Blatchford has written so much about, including a book, by the way. But I think we all remember Caledonia and what unfolded in that Ontario community over the course of, of really several years. But I think the beginnings of all of this go back about a decade now. We had Aboriginal protesters occupying uh, a proposed housing site in Caledonia and just out of hand the situation got and what it meant for law-abiding citizens who lived in this community, were simply trying to go about their business and how it interfered with their lives. And now the Ontario Provincial Police really seemed to take the side of the protesters or more to the point, really didn't want to do anything to deal with the protesters out of fear, I suppose, and maybe a justifiable fear that things could escalate. But just a really two-tiered approach to policing in this community. Now, the reason we're talking about Caledonia is because a lawsuit against the Ontario Provincial Police just recently settled. And we're just, in fact, this was a few weeks ago, we're now just learning the details of this ruling. So joining us on the line is Christy Blatchford, a reporter with the Post Media and the National Post. Christy, great to talk to you again here. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. Nice to be here. All right. Well, um, as I say, you've written a lot about Caledonia over the years, and I suppose maybe this doesn't come as a big surprise to you. But tell us a bit more about the case of, of Randy Fleming and what he went through. Sure. Uh, I mean, and this case, for my money, is really, you know, the essence of so much of what went wrong in Caledonia in microcosm. Randy Fleming is a now retired 55-year-old steel worker, and in uh, May of 2009, which is three years after the occupation uh, took place, it, it's still essentially status quo there. The Ontario government bought the land, but there are still only uh, Aboriginals from the nearby Six Nations Reserve who actually are allowed to go on it, pretty much. Um, and for months and even years, the police uh, wouldn't even enter the the Douglas Creek Estates, as it's called. Anyway, um, Randy Fleming was uh, one of a, a group of non-Native citizens in this small town who were you know, disbelieving and appalled at what had happened in the worst days of the violence. Remember, the occupiers who were often masked, uh, burned bridges, destroyed cars, threw them off bridges, uh, destroyed a power station to the tune of about a million bucks to repair it, burned it down, um, followed uh, innocent residents into town, swarmed them. Uh, I mean, it was unbelievable. And at one point, those citizens who lived closest to the occupied housing site and to uh, the Six Nations Reserve were actually issued uh, sort of, they called them passports, by the native occupiers and were forced to show them to come back or leave their own property and, and were sometimes subjected to arbitrary searches. It, wow. it, people don't believe that this happened in Canada, but it did. And it's well documented that it all happened. In any case, by 2009, Randy Fleming, uh, I know him a little bit. Uh, he's, a, he's a tough guy. He's kind of like an Alberta guy, you know. Yeah. He's, he's made a hard living uh, most of his life, uh, you know, had to work hard and been a, he has a tenacious work ethic. Anyway, he decided this day for the first time since the occupation began, the OPT had deigned to 
grant this protest, counter-protest group, the right to fly a Canadian flag while, while uh, I guess, within sight of the occupied site. And uh, Fleming decided that he would walk to the flag rally, which was held past the entrance to the occupied site, peacefully carrying a Canadian flag. And this he did. And much of this was caught on video. So we all know that he was indeed doing nothing more than walking with a flag on a public street in Canada. And three OPP vans passed him. And then they turned around and they drove at him. Uh, not trying to kill him, I don't think, but alarming him. Mm-hmm. And he jumped into the nearby ditch and then scrabbled up to higher ground, which it turns out may or may not have been part of the occupied site. He was then wrestled to the ground roughly, and the judge found this. She said the police used excessive force. Uh, his left elbow was permanently damaged and the nerves around it permanently damaged handcuffed uh, and put into a van and held, charged with uh, obstructing a police officer uh, and held in custody for a couple hours, always handcuffed, four and a half hours, I think, in total. And ultimately, 19 months after that charge was laid, the Crown mysteriously withdrew the charge. And Randy Fleming wasn't satisfied with this. He wanted his day in court and he sued the OPP, and uh, this judge found she completely uh, sided with Mr. Fleming. She found that his charter rights had been breached, that he had done nothing wrong, let alone anything illegal, that the police had put uh, the rights of the native occupiers above the rights of other citizens, that they tackled him and falsely arrested him and falsely imprisoned him because they were trying to appease the occupiers and the occupiers weren't even threatening i mean the whole thing was caused by the police so it she awarded i think about two hundred and ninety thousand dollars to mr fleming he wasn't in it for the money much of that uh, i think about 130,000 of it goes to his lawyer who for a decade has been you know steadfastly pursuing this case so it's it's a it's a real sort of uh it's a victory on a gut level for those people in Caledonia who saw all of this lawlessness happen with their own eyes, in their own backyards, on their own roads, and who were appalled by it because the OPP made very few arrests of the native occupiers despite the violence that they saw. And instead, they arrested the counter-protesters as though they were the instigators uh, you know, I think another guy in Caledonia, Gary McHale, an, an activist, has been arrested eight or nine times on basically these BS charges. And, you know, people who burned hydro towers and threw cars over bridges, if they were prosecuted at all, were prosecuted months later and not in a contemporaneous way. And there's a reason police make a contemporaneous arrest and it's to discourage other people from breaking the law. So this isn't just a win really in my view at least for randy fleming but for the people who were there who saw all this stuff happen saw the police turn a blind eye to so much of it and now an ontario superior court judge has said yeah that happened well i think it is significant and you know you can understand the frustration of these people and and what they're having to deal with on a daily basis a situation that doesn't involve them at all uh but you talked about some of the ongoing uh, harassment that they would have to deal with uh not connected to this this situation at all and to not only have to deal with that but then have the police essentially ignore it 
to, to compound yeah. the problem. I can just, I, I cannot imagine, and this, this went on for years, how frustrating that, that must have been. Oh, I think it was, I mean, I, in my book, I interviewed a couple of, several people who had left Caledonia, sold their house for a tremendous loss, but they couldn't live there anymore. They were just so disheartened. And it isn't just the police conduct, of course, it's the state conduct, because I was never able to prove it in documents, but it's certainly my belief that the then government of uh, Dalton McGuinty, the Liberal government in Ontario, was you know, the calling the shots and all this, uh, telling the police essentially how they must handle it. And the police had this bizarre 11-page document, a very thin document, which they call the Aboriginal Framework for Police Activity During Critical Incidents Involving Aboriginals, some stupid title. Um, and it's, you know, it's basically a statement of highfalutin principle and not a statement of how to police a riot and uh, yet the police always referred back to this at the behest really of the Ontario government which had decided that is how such matters are going to be held, uh, followed now. Yeah I mean I think to a lot of people outside of of this community and outside of Ontario this this seems like a, a story from the past right but uh, this just came out is, is this going to get maybe the the attention it deserves i mean and, and the, no, the whole not situation chance. not a chance no 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 no. i mean let us not be naive uh, you and i are been around the block enough not to be and uh, i think it would be preposterous to imagine that this will have any real effect but what it will have an effect on it will offer some comfort to the people whose rights were so abused it will let them know that at least one other person this judge believes that you know they were doing nothing wrong by you by exercising their rights to free speech and freedom of expression but is it going to it's essentially the same government uh, in power here now it's the kathleen Wynne government uh, which is indistinguishable really from the former mcginty government um and you know such a sacred cow have matters aboriginal become i think generally in this country and particularly in this province that there, there is no political appetite to make to make an issue out of this. None. Well, what's the situation there today, then? Uh, the Ontario government still owns the land. Uh, uh, it's still unoccup- unused. Uh, there, there's still minimal occ- occupation of it by uh, Aboriginals, uh, I believe, and nobody but Natives can go on the land. So it's not really... It's a no-go zone for the cops. It's a no-go zone for ordinary citizens. It's not violence anymore. Why would it be violent? Uh, the violence achieved exactly what they wanted it to achieve. Indeed. Well, it's it's a depressing read, but uh, more at uh, nationalpost.com. Christy, thanks so much for making some time for us here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Christy Blatchford, uh, reporter with uh, the National Post and Post Media, also, as mentioned, wrote a book about this situation in Caledonia. I mean, it really is outrageous. You know, regardless of the, the merits of the land claim, just the, the entire way that this was handled, uh, obviously the, the aggressive and the law-breaking approach on the part of the occupiers, but the response by police so afraid of inflaming the situation um, that they allowed the law-breaking to continue, but then they turned their sights on town residents. Uh, so you're not going to do anything about the lawless occupiers but somebody carrying a Canadian flag to a rally the police had already given the green light to. Just the notion that they would have to approve a peaceful, lawful rally says a lot. But that they would go after this guy. 
uh, injure him, and then arrest him for walking down a street carrying a Canadian flag. He didn't go on the uh, so-called disputed land and wave this in the face of the protesters. He wasn't going anywhere near it originally. So, yeah, really disturbing. Again, more at nationalpost.com. Listen, we got to take a break here. We're going to come back. We'll set up our next hour for you. A lot going on here today. This is Afternoons on News Talk 770. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.